Welcome. I didn't realize we started. Yeah, I just hit record. I wanted to get an candid, authentic, authentic, candid voice feel intro. Oh, voice intro, feel. Intro, intro, you taken after feel. our man Frank Herbert? <laughs> I've read seven hundred pages of this book. Thank you. My brain has turned into a mind field brain. Wow, you really do sound like. <laughs> just don't add verbs or adjectives to things the knowing of the mind the center knowing of the deeps <laughs> as the moment spread in our arcade. infinitely forward and did we write this book past we i think you did secret all along i wrote dune that's why i've been saying i hate it so much because i wrote it and i didn't want to feel career tracks you didn't tell me you wrote it so you're like yeah i hate this book so i'll be more like yeah i didn't like this part and yeah, i'll totally. give you honest chris feedback just did a hair flip in the middle of that oh. to like really sell it with some attitude chris is bringing the heat today <laughs> Woo! i had half a glass of rosé oh my god i'm not there yet chipping that scissor and by scissor, I mean $20 rosé. <laughs> so what music do you listen to when you're stressed out, Chris? Creep by Radiohead. Oh, yeah. No, I'm joking. Um, Chris is like such an audio producer now. I would like you all to know. She's like really stepped into her role. She's really stepped up. She's maturing as a, yeah, a human woman. How do you feel about being called a woman? I don't like it. I don't like it either, but I'm a woman. Yeah. I should get over it. I don't know why I don't like it. I think it feels very serious, like yeah. working woman in the 80s. Like, I'm not Melanie Griffith. I think it just implies, like, adult, very adult. I mean, I am adult, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, ge- I was, I wanted to dig into a, why we both don't like being called women. Oh I yeah, think that's kind of interesting. It. Let's dig in. Like, when I, this is tangential, but tangential. Mm. But when I was studying abroad in college in France, France. in collage, um, <laughs> my French teacher, for some reason, Monsieur Jacques, b- no, <laughs> Madame Scatolan, she, for some reason, my French class just happened to be all girls. It was not meant to be. So yeah, she called us the oh, that's cute. And I loved that so much. And that was my story. That's but a great one. It w- I just liked I want to be called, called that. Fee. Yeah, I want to be a fee. Yeah. Fee. And it was like, ah, come in. Bonjour, les filles. Bonjour, les filles. <laughs> <laughs> trying that's to it. think of more French. And that's all our French. Someone recently referred to me as um, a woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> this is a story. But like, in con- like a story about myself, they were like, oh, and that woman. And I was like, oh, people see me that way yeah i think because like usually especially in like current friend culture everyone's like hey girl or we refer to each other as like ladies or girls ladies for some reason is like lady feels like less serious than a woman it does i have the same reaction when someone calls me ma'am instead of miss ma'am yeah i hate it ma'am it yeah i'm not there yet don't put me there yet i'm there what? People ma'am me. 
Um, I get I get a mixture. Oh yeah, I think I'm not I'm short, not exclusive. <laughs> and you're so youthful. Shoot, do you think we need to get comfortable with the word woman? I, yeah, I guess that's the question. Is like I that kind something of we need? I left that conversation feeling like I should get comfortable with that word because like it is not very feminist to be like refer to me as a girl and as take away some of my adult girl. power. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why do I like being thought of as a tiny girl? Like, I am a small human, but, like, that's very weird in terms of power structures, if you think about it. <laughs> Listen, like, I am responsible for this decent life that I've created for myself. Things are going pretty well. Yeah, yeah you're an adult. Fucking deal with it. <laughs> or it's like, it doesn't make sense to not take responsibility for that, you know? Yeah. But I don't know if, like, all of that can be tied up in and is the all of that woman. In, yeah, exactly. Chris is pulling out her I'm notebook, which means out she's getting notes. bored of my comedic style. That is not what that means. It means our dear listeners are probably desperately. Like, Jesus Christ! They came here for one reason. One reason only. All right, Alia, you want to give us the Alia summary? What happened this week on Dude? Chris, stop looking at me with oh, those eyes. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> look at the floor. I wanted to get in the fact that. Uh, Hara just like shamed Jessica in like Who's when Hara? they were Hara is the other sister wife of Paul. Oh yeah. So uh, well right, yes. Kinda, you know? <laughs> the um sexless sister wife. Yeah, the sexless concubine. Um but I wanted to open this passage by looking around Jessica's Hara was like looking around Jessica's quarters. If you remember, they were in like a weird talk where Hara was like insulting Alia. And Alia was like, I'm just a little baby with the mind of a 70 year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was weird. So Hara said she swept her gaze around the floor, avoiding Jessica's eyes. Quote, Oh, that's me. Wait, oh, yeah, that is <laughs> right now. <laughs> Chris can't challenge me with eye contact or else I'll lose my shit, listeners. Anyway, so. Hara's all like, so many people tramping through here all the time. You should really have them clean more often. And I was just like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the subtext there? That's some kind of um, like. The subtext is like, they're not cool. <laughs> like, she has to act cool because she's like part of the sister wife clan. But they're not cool. I don't really understand. Here's the thing. <laughs> the, I thought <laughs> we were doing lightning round. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. So Paul has to go into battle. Um, he has a face-off <laughs> with Stilgar. And, like, it's, like, this whole thing where Paul is, like, the royal of... <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> She's looking at the blank wall. I'm looking at a blank wall. It's not even helping. <laughs> Paul has to go into battle. Stilgar questions him. They get into a weird man fight. Yeah. Then Gurney shows up again, and... Something weird happened with Jessica. He wants to kill Jessica. Yep. He tries to kill Jessica. Yep. They go into a forum because that is how all the big decisions get made. In yeah. <laughs> Thanks for banging me up, Chris. And um, then basically, like, everyone bows down to Paul again. He concocts this <laughs> plan to get rid of all the spice as a means to control people. Yeah. Yeah. See, Chris, aren't I doing great this Amazing. Time? Yeah, and then at the end, Jessica, so we figure out that Jessica is, like, not evil, but she, like, recognizes her own manipulation of Paul, and she's like, honey, I just want you to be happy. <laughs> Go marry Shawnee. <laughs> Even though they're already married. Right, aren't they already married? Yeah. 
Gurney is, he is not dead, but I think both Gurney and Stilgar, because they like disrespected Paul, are like, oh my God, kill me. Yeah. And Paul the whole time is like, how many times do I have to listen to this shit? Yeah. Hey, Chris, what did you think of what happened in Dune this week? Me, oh my, a lot happened. A lot That's actually for happened. Sure. I was very pleased about that. I'm beginning to suspect that we're not going to get a really a wrapping up of storylines before the book's over. No, that's why there are seven of them. I know, but I thought I thought the sequel was like a happy coincidence is the wrong word. I thought it was like this first one was really successful, so he decided to write a second one. No, I think it's like a Tolkien situation. I think that now, too. So I'm a little bit bummed about that. I don't think we're going to get our answers. No. And I don't think either of us will ever be reading Dune 2. Another thing that happened this week is that Paul rode a sandworm. He did. And Stilgar was like, you rode that like a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) He immediately insults him. Paul gets defensive. Yeah. And then reluctantly acknowledges that Stilgar was right. Did but you like that part? You love the sandworms. That's true. I do love the sandworms. Mm-hmm. What I did not like was how Paul was like, this is the biggest sandworm anyone has ever ridden. <laughs> Paul's such I was a like, Of course a it is. He's he's the worst. But you know what? I made a little theory myself. Mm, is do that tell. Stilgar did not comment on the size of the worm or say, oh my God, this is the biggest one anyone has ever ridden. My little pet theory was that Stilgar didn't comment on the size. No one else commented on the size. I think Paul is telling himself it's like the biggest one oh, anyone yeah. ever has Delusions ever seen. Delusions of grandeur 100%. Yeah, and it's not. It's just like a It's a regular sandworm. It's a regular sandworm. Yeah. That's why Stilgar said that like you did it, but a 12 year old would have done better. Yeah, that was a sick burn. Stilgar was getting mighty sassy. That was a sick burn. And Paul's in his head. He's like, well, today a new legend will be born about the oh, yeah. biggest sandworm ever. Here is an interesting conversational aside. Mm-hmm. If you would like to take one. Do you think that a large part of success is thinking you're successful? Mm. Like Paul is doing. Like, mm. Do you think you can achieve great things if in your brain you're riddled with self-doubt? I think you can't. I think you can. I think you can be very successful. I, you know, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you till. Oh boy. Fake it till you make it is a very real thing. Sure. Imho, imho. But going off of WTF podcast, there are some people that are like cripplingly modest that have won incredibly prestigious awards, mm. and all they do is like talk about how they're not. Yeah. Good, how their work doesn't stand up and it's work the other way psychologically though because like if you're always striving then you're always achieving more but you never think you're good enough and that's yeah. your drive exactly so it's like that wasn't enough winning this award wasn't enough a healthy mix of the two is probably good where thing. one ought to reside but totally uh, i think you can achieve success either way so Paul is getting trained on the sandworms and yep. then they see like a group of men and they're like, we have to fight. And that is how the war starts. Not the war. The battle. Yes. Great. I did it. Yep. I have a, a physics question for oh, you. Oh, I love physics. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. Hmm. I'm very bad at it, but I think it's very interesting. How do sandworms move? Uh, Wiggles. <laughs> you think they do like a snake? Yeah. But they're very big and powerful. So like one wiggle is like five miles. 
do they do the snake thing? Like, because there's the desert snakes that move in that really weird. I imagine like, they had tiny like arms they like Jabba the Hutt, to be honest. Wait, what, 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 what moves sideways? Desert Worms. snakes. Oh, I didn't know that. Basically. Hmm. I mean, they move, they look, they're going forward, but it ends up moving them oh. sideways. Yeah, I could see them moving sideways like a desert snake. You think snock? they wiggle? A snock? <laughs> <laughs> Ellie is looking at her own Instagram post. <laughs> Gotta check those lights. Gotta get those dopamine hits. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like Dune. Hmm? With the dopamine hits. They're riding along in the desert on the sandworm, on the biggest sandworm yes. history has ever seen. Of course. They see a thopter. A thopter. Gurney Halleck is inside that thopter. He is working with a group of smugglers. Mm-hmm. Paul does not know that. They lay a trap of spice. The thopter lands. Gurney Hallett comes out. Paul immediately recognizes him. There's a quick scuffle before anyone can say stop. Don't fight each other. But Paul and Gurney are reunited and they hug each other. Gurney thought Paul was dead, right? Gurney thought Paul was dead, yeah. And he thinks Jessica betrayed the Duke. But then... Ugh, this will come later, you guys. But Paul defends his mom in such a nice way, and Kit has grown up, and we're so proud of him. Yeah. To an extent, because he's still Paul. Yeah, he actually kind of annoyed me in this part, this section. He was just very, like, I am the one. Well, I feel like he is that way the whole time. Yeah. Like, there are no longer shades of, like, I'm learning a thing. It's more just like, I am the king. I did it, and I did it the best anyone has (laughs) ever done it. That's how I feel every day. Like, it must be exhausting to talk to him. Exhausting to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Snocks. That was hilarious. (laughs) I'm making myself cry, you guys. I'm, like, not insufferable in person, I promise you. You're not insufferable in person, and you're not insufferable on the podcast. Oh, my God, that's so sweet. Well, I have a quote I like. Go for it. It's one of Princess Irulan's quotes. Who is this mysterious princess? Who who that bitch? (laughs) Who that? So it's one of her little... I can't believe the whole time we've been reading this, I can't remember the word for these italicized sections before. Uh, Prologue? Parts. It's not. The quote is... How often it is that the angry man rages denial of what his inner self is telling him. Oh, yeah. That's why people are angry, bro. Yeah. And it says man, but I believe this applies to both genders very much. Oh, yeah. I think he was using man in a universal sense. Yeah. Disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself, Frank Herbert. And I've been there. Uh, Feeling so angry and that's why you're mad? Wait, no. What? (laughs) (laughs) Being in denial so you get extra mad about something. Oh. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. What's an example that you want to talk about on this podcast? Um, I don't have anything specific off the top of my head, but what comes to mind is being a teenager and like arguing with your parents, and you're totally. at some point you're just being obstinate to be obstinate because you can't oh, for like sure. y- you've gone this far, so you can't not be mad. Totally. But in the back of your head, you're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh! This was funny. This was funny when Paul and Gurney noticed like because they saw each other in still suits so they didn't immediately recognize that they were each other yep but then they got close 
and then they realized that they were each other and they embraced and it was lovely. Yeah. Gurney to Paul kept saying, you young pup, you young pup. And then Paul <laughs> said, Gurney man, Gurney man. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was, r- I'm making Chris crack up. This feels like a really proud accomplishment. But isn't that like, it's just like very funny and spirited for the world That's of Dune. so funny. Frank, <laughs> have you ever met people like <laughs> have you talked to humans <laughs> gurney man gurney man you young pup you young pup <laughs> stilgar is still there and he's just like very skeptical and he's just like what is this situation yeah because stilgar is like the um subject of paul in like his desert life right well i think they established that at the end of the section we read but i think before that like because he's the yeah, it was unclear leader of the tribe, right? Sure. And Paul is this like prophesied prophet. <laughs> so at the beginning of this section, Stilgar is like, Paul's gonna challenge me and kill me and take the siege. I think at this moment in time, Stilgar is Paul's superior. No, I thought that like Stilgar is Paul's like military superior, but Paul is still like the duke. Well, or, no, he's like he is the prince, right? He's the duke. Well, I think it's right after this moment that that gets established. Well, Stilgar is like chief guy. Chief and, guy. And then Paul is like... Junior chief guy. Yeah, junior chief guy. He's getting a following. There's a lot of buzz. It's like, <gasps> totally. Paul should be the new chief guy. Yeah. But Paul likes Stilgar. Stilgar is a good dude. They're friends. Sure. Paul's like, I don't need to be chief guy. I could just be Duke, who's better than chief guy anyways. So that's where we end up. So then uh, Stilgar and Gurney are like his right hand. Is that why Stilgar was being so sarcastic? Yep. Oh, God, that's I didn't why, get that at all. Yeah, that's why he was being like... Like, literally, Frank Herbert wrote the words, like, and still, like, Paul detected some sarcasm in Stilgar's voice. And yeah. I was like, What? An emotion? Do tell. Tell me more. Okay, okay, okay. So we established that Paul is the Duke and yeah. Stilgar was like, OMG. And then basically they fell in line, but Gurney was still like, gonna kill your mom though. So. Yeah, he doesn't say that out loud, but it is <laughs> he head. didn't say that out loud. I think there was like a moment of like a power struggle where when they were in the arena, they were trying to make Paul take on the religious role of leader and yes. he wouldn't do it like why separate it who know i think the they might Dune. converge right well if you think about it like old school kings like that was like right they were ordained yeah it's like a religious thing as well divine what divine right divine right there you go paul makes a few speeches that i had i been in the crowd i think i would have taken some umbrage Oh, with but everyone umbrage. there seemed really excited paul's talking to everyone he's saying why it doesn't make sense that he should fight stilgar he says do you smash your knife before a battle i say this as fact not meaning it as boast or challenge that there isn't a man here stilgar included who could stand against me in single combat this is stilgar's own admission he knows it so do you Many of you have been with me on the practice floor. You know this isn't idle boast. Oh, that's a great sentence. You know this isn't idle boast. 
I say it because it's fact known to us all, and I'd be foolish not to see it for myself. I began training here in these ways earlier than you did, and my teachers were tougher than any you've ever seen. So. So. We come to this. Ah. Basically, he's like, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I'm the best, but that's a fact I'm not bragging. Oh, That is a, God. a clear quote from How to Win Friends and Influence People. I don't like how Paul keeps calling Chani mother of my firstborn. Oh, I thought what was funny like one of them calls the other one their intimate name for each other yeah and like, in front of someone else and like the <laughs> it's like those couples that just like kiss in front of you a lot and you yeah get a like, little, like ew okay babe it just like I f- it seemed like the other person was just like hardcore feeling like a third wheel it was <laughs> pretty funny <laughs> so paul's speech i found particularly uninspiring oh, would you like to read a part of it oh well so i i read that one bit where he's like i'm the best at fighting here and oh everyone God. knows it and then there's Yawn. this part where he says who rules here paul asked he raised his fist i rule here i rule on every square inch of arrakis this is my ducal fief whether the emperor says yay or nay nay he gave it to my father and it comes to me through my father yeah well imagine though if you will if paul didn't give dramatic speeches like that and he was like the crown prince you know is bravado a good thing? I, I, I think arousing speech is just what the troops need sometimes. But he doesn't mention at all, like, you guys are the best, the best oh, yeah, fighters. He's not a good like, leader. You accepted me as an outsider and made your leader. Totally. And, like, Major I've been key. trained in the way of these foreign soldiers, and I hope I can do you honor in bringing you to battle. He basically just stands up there and goes, I'm I'm the best fighter. I'm better than everybody, and everybody knows that, and this all this land is mine. Every, so you think he's like mine. President Cheeto? Yeah, well, I think he's a little bit more charismatic than that. But So you well, think he's DJ Khaled? Yeah, maybe. Okay. That's acceptable. Ow! Did he bite you? Yeah. Palm. There's always palm cameos, and I always cut them out because they don't make any sense <laughs> if you're not here looking at palm. I have a cat named Palm. She is a black and white tabby cat. Sometimes she's very cute. And we all defer to her as our lord and ruler because... Because this is her ducal thief and (laughs) she inherited it from her father. (laughs) All right. So that happens. Yes. Paul gives a speech. Everyone's on his side. They say, we want to do it. They're going to go fight the Harkonnens. Yeah. Paul and Jessica and Gurney Halleck go into a room. Gurney tries to kill Jessica. She d- he does. Because he believes he doesn't kill her. Oh, no, no, no. G- he tries. Yeah. I was agreeing with you. I was backing <laughs> you up. It's being your hype man. Thank you. Woo, Chris. Woo. Woo, woo. I'd be the worst hype man, probably. Paul basically schools Gurney, says, my mom did not kill my father. You have it wrong. Mm-hmm. Gurney sees the errors of his ways. He does. And immediately asks Paul to kill him. Yeah, he just like freaks out. He's like, I can't believe I did this. Kill me. Uh, it's like when you're a teen and you like yeah. say something embarrassing and you're like, oh my God, oh kill me. Oh my God, me. I wish uh. I was dead. And Paul is like, I can't even suffer this bullshit yeah, right now. Yeah, and Paul is like, shut up. You're being an idiot. Yeah, get it together. Put your shirt man. on because he like bears yeah, the breast. Yeah, he's like, he bears his breast. Oh, what I thought 
would be funny if (laughs) if I'm in this passage and he goes, Paul studied the man, tall, flat featured with a pale scar across half his left cheek. I'm like, Frank Herbert, are you just like describing hot men again? What if every description of a man, Frank Herbert, is just like, you know what makes a hot man a pale scar across half of his left cheek? <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking or not. Do you think that's <laughs> I handsome? I can't tell if I'm joking or not. <laughs> I don't, like, it's not. The, there's nothing wrong with scars. They give us all character, but I just think it's like, I think I thought of this because in past passages, like, when Frank Herbert describes someone as attractive, it's so far off base and like how you would describe someone as attractive. Yeah. That now I read every character description for him as like, does yeah, he mean he they're hot? He had a scar, forehead to chin. You're like, like, is this is this supposed to be sexy? <laughs> <laughs> Are we into this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's it's funny to like contextualize it that way. Yeah, it makes it's making this I book a lot more entertaining that. for oh. me. <laughs> so, right before Jessica has this change of heart and runs up to Paul and is like, "I just want your happiness. I want you to be with Johnny." <laughs> there's yes. there's a moment before that when mm-hmm. she's I think she's sitting in the room by herself yeah. and she has this insanely bitchy thought. Let me look for the oh line. she has a lot of those. Yeah, it's like out of control. Okay, here we go. Paul's coffee service, the fluted alloy of silver and jasmium that he Jasmine. had inherited. It says jasmium. <laughs> that he who knows. <laughs> that he had inherited from Jamis rested on a low table to her right. She stared at it, thinking of how many hands had touched that metal. Chani had served Paul from it within the month. What can this desert woman do for a duke except serve him coffee? She asked herself. Oh shit. Well, maybe she's like having some like strong empty nester syndrome. She well, she has a fucking baby. Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about Alia myself. Jessica's not that nice. Don't we know that by now? Yeah, we hundred percent do. She's super protective of her son. She's had it out for Chani for a long time. Totally. But this line comes like two pages before she runs up to Paul and is like, "I just want you to be happy." Yeah. So, if she learned her lesson, I'm glad. I found the line where Paul makes Gurney feel like a third wheel. <laughs> when does that happen so (laughs) it's like when they're all like leaving that little room Mm -hmm. and they're trying to like send shawnee back to her desert home and shawnee starts to protest but swallows it and the quote is quote sahaya who is like that's their like intimate term so using his intimate name for her he whirled away to the right and met gurney's glaring eyes um, maybe Gurney was glaring <laughs> because he was like, how dare you third wheel me in this context? Yeah. How dare you? Why do you think he was so upset? I, yes, third wheel. Gurney's <laughs> like, a handsome man like me shouldn't, shouldn't Follow be, that thought. shouldn't be third wheeled. <laughs> yeah. He's like, has no one noticed my scar or what? <laughs> no one's hit on me yet. <laughs> Paul's just gonna my leave. hot scar or my pale skin. Yeah, Paul's making out with the mother of his firstborn. All right, so after this, Paul goes and drinks poison. Uh, yeah, but before that, can we talk about oh. how when Gurney yeah. was trying to kill Jessica, he just keeps calling her a she-witch over and over again? Yeah. I thought that was funny. Schwitch. Stop being I such guess a switch. It Jessica. is a little funny because witch, I think, implies 
powers. She. No, well, I think it implies a woman, right? Yeah, it's gendered. So, she, witch. He, man. <laughs> he, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Paul drinks poison. Ah. Oh, yeah. He, he goes into that weird state. He goes into a weird state. We find out real casually that he's been like that for three weeks. Yeah. So what I thought was interesting about that chapter structure is that, like, finally, the intro paragraph relates to the rest of the chapter. Yeah, praise be. Praise be. Yeah. So it describes that Paul has, like, been in this trance for three weeks. And, yeah. And then Shawnee comes and saves him after Jessica can't. So, exactly. So, this uh, is Jessica really owning up to her previous error, the error of her ways. She's taking some mother-in-law classes. She can't, she's unable to help Paul, so she calls on Chani to come and do what she has been unable to do for three weeks. And basically, Paul drank this poison because it's like crazy prophecy poison that only the Reverend Mother can ingest, who sure. is Jessica. So Paul does it to like get a kick to so he can see the future and know right. things before they go into battle. Paul, but ugh, it nearly kills him. But there was this ridiculous exchange where Chani is there. Jessica has called on her. She says, "How does he take nourishment?" Chani asked. "The demands of his flesh are so slight. He does not yet need food." Jessica said. Oh yeah, that was weird. Uh, excuse me? Like, when is... so finely muscled. What does this mean? That Paul hasn't eaten in three weeks and he doesn't need to, nor does he normally? I think he probably does normally, but how I interpreted that is that he has a Justin Trudeau-like body that has very, like, just... (laughs) (laughs) This got really real. Do you know Justin Trudeau (laughs) intimately? (laughs) Everyone knows Justin Trudeau's body. Oh my god, what am I saying? Everyone has seen those topless photos of him doing yoga on a table. Everyone. You haven't, Chris? I haven't. We're Googling this because I can't believe it. I mean, listen. This is our prime minister. Oh my god. Yeah. Chris, now you know. How do we get one of these? All right, I have one final thing to talk about. Okay, great. So Paul wakes up. Charney wakes him up. They don't really explain how. She's just yeah, like there. She touches you his understood lips. how she woke him up. Like it's she like transformed something in her mouth and then like dropped a drop in. It was not clear to me to be totally honest. Extremely unclear. She basically kneels down, asks Jessica questions, touches his lips, and he like sits up and he's like, "Hey." Hey, what's up? Yeah. Oh, I think it's because, like, even with Jessica's mentat powers. Penny Gesserit. Right? Penny Gesserit. Oops. I think it's, like, supposed to, like, symbolize the transfer of power. Like, even with Jessica's Totes. skills, and like, she no longer is reigning supreme. And that Jessica's okay with it, honestly. Yeah. She's all right. She's like, listen, I didn't want to do this anymore anyway. Yeah. He's and she's all not. Yours. She didn't tell Chani, like, oh, you're only good to serve coffee, anyways. She acknowledges her skills. Skills and the necessity of having her there. Okay, I'm just going to read this whole thing. Go for it. Paul has woken up. He's very weak. He's been tripping for three weeks straight. Mm-hmm. He touches his mom and they have this weird like connecting moment. Yeah. Paul said, there is in each of us an ancient force that takes and ancient force that gives. A man finds little difficulty facing that place within himself where the taking force dwells. 
but it's almost impossible for him to see into the giving force without changing into something other than man. For a woman, the situation is reversed. We'll just mm. really quickly gloss over the fact that Frank Herbert is assigning men as takers and women as givers and move right on to when Paul says, I'm at the fulcrum. I was like, he's a giver and a taker. Off. Like, <laughs> I would like to not gloss over the fact that Frank Herbert is a said yeah, gender let's go roles back this to way. That. I mean, like, I think throughout this book, like, we've talked about how the Bene Gesserit, the fact that they have <laughs> evil, manipulative brain powers yeah. is, like, extremely gendered and yeah, weird. Yeah, typical women. Again, t- women are just super manipulative and have weird emotional manipulation powers. Yeah. They move their necks sexily and they. <laughs> they're sinewy necks. They they're let men kill each other with their. That is how it works. Wily ways. Do you think it's a product of the time or just the genre? I, I or do. Writer? I think it's a product of the time. I, to be totally honest, I haven't found the text to be that sexist. It's, yeah. ju- it's just very. What's the word? It's like the sexism is very systematic. Yeah. It's not like he has real female characters. In, well, That's as true. much as he has any real characters yeah. in this story. Like Jessica has just as much depth as Paul, which is yeah, arguably not true. that much depth. And but Alia has the most depth. Yeah. Alia is weird as hell. And <laughs> Chani is super cool, too. But you get a totally. lot of stuff where it's like Chani is referred to as the wife of Muad'Dib and the mother of yeah. his children. She doesn't really get her own. Well, she's also he not to I don't know why I'm on like the reverse of like hooray Frank Herbert but there are scenes where like Shawnee like fights really hard like didn't Paul see Shawnee like kill someone but he freaks out and is like my John like and then he like sends her away because it's too dangerous right but you're right she does kill someone and she's super skilled at fighting and she's adept and she's capable but She's very, like, it's very much she has a woman's role, and Jessica does too. Totally. As mom, and she has these, like, stereotypical, like, she's very jealous of this right. wife that yeah. Paul has taken. For and sure. Stop taking my baby. Exactly. And then we have these givers and takers, which, I, more than, like, I'm not offended as being classified as a giver, because I think that's a nice thing to be labeled as but Mm. it's just so reductionist it's like yeah i think that is uh, where i take issue with it like both genders can be both things like i also identify as someone that is giving (laughs) yeah hopefully but i would like to take sometimes right it's about it's a balance and why is paul the only one who resides at the fulcrum why is it special snowflake man that's like (laughs) and me we've never called him that before special snowflake i think we call him that throughout the rest of this book oh i think i was just weirded out by the changing of the water like shawnee no jessica takes the like trippy water into her mouth and like changes a bunch of water after Mm -hmm. they woke paul up Mm -hmm. in that part they lost me there i was like why are they changing the sacred water i I think it's just ignore it okay (laughs) we will just ignore it that part was i think frank herbert gets fuzzy on the details when it's like oh no paul's sick and needs to be cured okay we did we did it what i did think is interesting is when paul wakes up Jessica is like, oh, my God, my son, Paul. And he grabbed her hand, faced her with death's head grin. Don't know what that means. Yeah. He was about to die, I guess, but I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
basically it describes it like the the rapport is not as tender or sharing, not as encompassing as it had been with Alia and with the old reference mother in the cavern, but it was rapport. So, she, and then it was like it shook her, weakened her, and she cowered in her mind, fearful of him. So Jessica is scared of her son now a little not bit. Not for the first time. Right. But I think like that dynamic shift is interesting. Like, do we think that like, like we're done with Jessica as like the powerful one now? Like the generations have switched? I, to be totally honest, I thought Gurney Halleck was going to successfully kill her. Mm. And then that would be like the passing of the mantle. Like right. Paul has to be the spiritual leader and the yeah, it's true. military leader. So I, th- I think we are headed for that passing of the baton and maybe that's this moment maybe that's like clearer in book two which we will never read but i think you're right that it's setting us up for like now paul did the thing that jessica did which is eat poison and live one more thing that i wanted to discuss is that paul forces jessica to share her mind space with him yeah which was quite weird it was uncomfortable it was pretty uncomfortable but the description is like kind of nice but just like weird so when this happens our our friend frank herbert describes it as but she could not escape him bludgeoned by the terrible force of him um ooh. yeah uh she closed her eyes and focused inward the direction that is dark paul's consciousness flowed through and around her and into the darkness omg right that sounds awful sounds really terrible i think the direction that is dark is like kind of a nice way i like that too of describing it the innermost self yeah totally this was a nice passage too when they're mind melding where the rings of light expanded and contracted where roses rows of tumescent white shapes flowed over and under and around the lights driven by darkness and a wind out of nowhere we got back to those beautiful visual imagery passages frank herbert yeah I knew you could do it that was I like that too. That of was like quite this nice. Amorphous, like inner being vision. Right. So basically, like after that, like after Paul has like successfully taken all of his mother's energy, she like wakes up and is so tired, and then like Shawnee has to help her. Paul does go like, "Oh, my mom's old." Paul, come on, you're such a jerk. She just had a baby. She can't be that old. Yeah, she's, we already discussed this. She's in her late 30s, early 40s. (laughs) She's a working woman. She's busy. It's fine. Cool. So that was the Dunecast Dunies. Yeah. We're poised for a huge showdown now. Yep. There's a bunch of ships surrounding Arrakis. Seems like we're going to get one big battle. Maybe we'll get no battle. It'll just be talking. <laughs> Maybe it'll just be book. Paul, just like annoying his mother forever. It'll just be a couple more of Paul's rousing speeches. <laughs> I'm, I'm the best. I'm the best. <laughs> Anybody wants to find me, that everyone would know that I would win. Well, all right, cool. Where are we reading to? What Chris? is this? A two-hour episode? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ! Really <laughs> We're reading to the end, Alia. What? This is it. This was our no. panel. Yes. No. Yes. Oh. Jeez, I would have worn something cuter. Oh, no one can see you. <laughs> That's not how podcasts work. <laughs> Disagree. What? What? We're finishing the book next episode. Oh my god! Look forward to That's that. Sad. This has been a nice journey. Uh-huh. I, I mean, we did it. I feel That's like I really awesome. found my podcast voice. See you next time. No, 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 oh. no, no. We have an email address. Oh yeah, we do. V S R S B C which stands for Very Serious Book Club, at 
gmail.com. Great. Send us an email. Have we gotten any emails, Alia? I haven't checked. Have oh, you yeah. checked? What have we been getting? Ten. That's it. We miss you. We love you. Hit us up. Don't hit us up. We'll no. feel your love from afar. No, we'll hit us up. Vibes. Definitely hit us up, though. Okay, <laughs> we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. wants to be on a podcast. Meow. Meow. Face oil. <laughs> I do own the microphone. Do you think promise an oily face? That's why cats rub themselves on you to get their oil Ow. all over you. Pom, don't bite, okay? You can hit her on the head. Boop. Yeah. Bad palm. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Don't, don't, don't poke engage. the bear. Um, yeah, no, cats rub themselves on you because it's like a marking thing. Like, it's cute and it's affectionate, but it's also like, I own you. (laughs) (laughs) Her eyes right now say, I own you 100%. She's like, are you, you challenge me? Why does giant naked cat (laughs) not obey me? Yeah, I I heard. (laughs) I mean, hairless, but when I say naked, I'm wearing clothes for the podcast. Just to be clear, this is audio. I feel like we're those kids that play Dungeons and Dragons on the weekend. Wait, you do that. (laughs) We can edit this part. (laughs) I actually do do that. (laughs) B, what are you trying to say? I have a playlist called Yeah, let's Hey Girl. Let's play that right now. uh, Okay, I won't play anything, but this playlist called Hey, comma Girl, period. First track, slow it down, album version, (laughs) parentheses edited, the dash dream slash fabulous. (laughs) Second track, fabulous, fabulous. There's no you in it. Not to be confused with fabulous. Second track, I love your girl. (laughs) Love spelled Mm. (laughs) L-U-V. Christy loved this playlist already. Um, Totally. By The Dash Dream. Wait, who made this playlist? You? I made this playlist. Third track, Spotless Mind by Jehane Aiko, that I'm probably mispronouncing. Another track, Rocking That Shit by the The Dash Dream. So basically, it's just The Dream and R. Kelly. And my boo by Usher and Alicia <laughs> That was a surprise one. <laughs> I mean, I think I just like really like to feel like I'm in like a Nelly music video in the '90s. That's like my ultimate stress stress helper. And now the world knows. So here we are. You will always be my oh my oh my oh my oh my, <laughs> my oh. oh whoa. <laughs> Usher's here today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't even believe that I just admitted this to our two listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're up to two. We're up to two. It's our moms and... That's it. If it's two, that's our moms. (laughs) I think maybe five. So I was wondering...
if I did stand up, do you think it would be funny if I was on stage and just laughed at my own jokes like no. I do here? <laughs>